welcome to the Shepherd's Heart Ministries podcast for our Sunrise Cafe channel. Currently, Sunrise Cafe is our weekly early morning gatherings where we discuss scripture over a good breakfast. To register or to get times and locations, please go to shm.live. Every week, immediately after our morning gatherings, a podcast will be published that will unpack the discussion text for that particular morning at a little more depth. Please know that the Sunrise Cafe is a discussion-based, not teaching-based event, which means when you attend a Sunrise Cafe gathering, you will notice that there is very little teaching and more of an emphasis on relationships and conversations about the Bible. The Sunrise Cafe podcast episodes are not recordings from the actual event. Instead, they are resources designed to supplement the conversations had during our morning gatherings. If you have any questions or if there's any way we can help you as you are exploring or growing in your relationship with Jesus, please feel free to send us an email at info at shepherdsheartmen.org. Again, that's info at shepherdsheartmin.org. We hope you enjoy the following resource. Hey everyone, this is Cody from Shepherd's Heart Ministries here in Belgrade, Montana, and this is a podcast channel that is designed to supplement our weekly Sunrise Cafe gatherings where we have conversations about the Bible and how to apply it in our daily lives. And if you're not a part of the Sunrise Cafe gatherings, we definitely want to welcome you to the podcast channel, and we hope that you are blessed by the teachings and the content found here. Now, we are about to begin an eight-week discussion-based series that we are calling More Like Jesus. And the intent of this particular series is to discuss some of the foundational concepts and disciplines that if we grab hold of them, they will help us walk more closely in the way of Jesus. But before we jump into the series, we thought it would be important and necessary to spend some time just discussing the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Each week, you're going to hear references to the Holy Spirit and His role in forming us into the likeness of Christ based on whatever that week's topic is. And if we don't begin these discussions and this series with the Holy Spirit, then it will be very easy to take the disciplines that we discuss and potentially turn them into a legalistic, moralistic, or ritualistic set of regulations, which we all know just simply does not work. For example, if we talk about obeying God's Word without discussing how the Holy Spirit empowers us to do so, then we will feel a sense of hopelessness and guilt when we fall short of God's ideal rather than thinking about the gracious, life-giving, and convicting influence of the Holy Spirit in our walk with Jesus. Now, for me personally, growing in my knowledge and understanding of the Holy Spirit has definitely been a journey. I mean, I was introduced to Jesus in a church that emphasized on nothing but the Holy Spirit and the manifestations of the Spirit. Now, looking back, it seemed as if the Holy Spirit was treated as some mystical or strange force. And if you didn't have some kind of explosive encounter that resulted in various manifestations, then you were missing something. You weren't quite as spiritual and maybe not even saved. And after a while, I had stepped away from my faith. I had walked away from my faith for several years. But after coming back to a place of active trust in Jesus, I attended a church that was on the opposite end of the spectrum. They barely spoke about the Holy Spirit and His role in my life. And the Holy Spirit at this particular church was treated as if we were embarrassed by or uncomfortable with His presence. And I think a lot of this 
is a result of just simply not understanding the biblical vision of the person and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And often what we see today is that the Holy Spirit is the most neglected one out of the Father, Son, and Spirit, what we call the Trinity. And perhaps you have experienced some of this and have some hesitations or questions about the Holy Spirit. But what we need to know is that the Holy Spirit, according to the Bible, is God. And we should not be skeptical or embarrassed by His power and His presence. So my hope and prayer is that this conversation will be beneficial to you as we begin to discuss some of these things. And we're going to frame the rest of this episode into three parts. The Holy Spirit, as seen in the Old Testament and New Testament, just very briefly. We're going to look at the person of the Holy Spirit, and then finally we're going to look at the work of the Holy Spirit. So let's go ahead and just jump right in to this episode. Now, if we're looking in Scripture and we start with the Old Testament, it is very clear that the Holy Spirit is present in the Old Testament from the very beginning. In Genesis 1 and 2, he is the agent of and over creation and is the means by which God intimately formed and breathed physical life into humanity, making us unique among the rest of creation as we are made in the image and likeness of God. So the Holy Spirit was present there. And as we read the Old Testament, we notice that the Holy Spirit, who is the very presence of God, becomes more prophetically desired and proximate among God's people. Now, the work of the Spirit is evident in the Old Testament, and God's leaders knew it, experienced it, and they yearned for all to encounter the Holy Spirit. For example, in Numbers 11.29, Moses wishes that all of God's people could encounter the Holy Spirit. And he looked forward to that day when that would happen. And then again in Isaiah 32, the prophet who writes in the context of oppressive and desperate days says that it is only when the Spirit is poured out on God's people will there be a renewing work of justice, righteousness, peace, flourishing, and rest. And then again in Ezekiel 36, we are told that when God places His Spirit within us, that our hearts and desires will change and we will carefully follow Him. Again, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, what you see is that He comes and goes and He empowers certain people to accomplish and move forward the work and the purposes of God. And as we step back, we begin to ask the question, well, what is the point of the Old Testament? What is the Old Testament moving towards? And what we see is that the whole Old Testament is moving history closer and closer to the time of God's chosen one, Jesus. And what we see is that the anticipation of the whole Old Testament was about salvation through God's chosen one, who is Jesus, and a yearning for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as a result of the coming King, who is Jesus. So what we do as Christians is we take Jesus, the life and ministry, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, and then we view the whole Old Testament through the lens of Jesus. And if we do that, The Old Testament comes to life, and we can see the Spirit's power and presence all throughout it. Which brings us to the New Testament. You see, the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is first seen in the life and ministry of Jesus in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in that way, we see the power and presence through the signs, through wonders, through wisdom, and ultimately the resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus tells his followers before and after his death that the Spirit is coming. And then he does. Finally, 
the yearning of God's people throughout redemptive history has been fulfilled. And you can read about that in Acts chapter 2, where the Spirit arrives and He breathes new life, new spiritual life into God's people. So that is just a brief snapshot of the Holy Spirit in the Old and New Testament leading up to the birth of the church. So from that point, let's move on to the person of the Holy Spirit. And for the sake of brevity, we're only going to look at one text in this section, and that is John 14, 15 through 17. That's John 14, 15 through 17. Now what's happening is Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples for his death, burial, and resurrection, and departure. And this is what he says. He says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's John 14, 15 through 17. Now, this text is packed with some rich content that we cannot fully get into. But what I want you to see is that Jesus tells us exactly who the Holy Spirit is. And that is he is another helper. And your translation of this text may say advocate, counselor, or comforter, all of which are right. But probably the most accurate uh, translation is the word advocate. Because the word means to have help beside you as kind of like a legal advocate in the court would be. So he's going to send us another advocate. And according to 1 John 2, 1, Jesus is the first advocate in heaven, securing our position before God as we have been justified, which is a court term, justified and made right because of what Jesus has done through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. So here, Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit is another advocate. And if you dive into the original language and structure of this text, you will find that what Jesus is actually saying is that he is sending someone who is exactly like him. Not a foreign mystical power, but rather someone who is just like Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus, and having the Spirit is to have the Spirit of Jesus within us. So that's who the Holy Spirit is. Now, how does he advocate, help, counsel, and comfort us? Now, that brings us to the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is massive. He teaches, he guides, he convicts, he comforts, he prays, he intercedes, he empowers, he counsels, and he cultivates fruitfulness in our lives. And his work is almost as immeasurable as his greatness, being that he is God. Now, so to simplify With the hope of not oversimplifying, I want us to look at five primary aspects of the ministry of the Holy Holy Spirit. And that's revealing, indwelling, equipping, filling, and sanctifying. Revealing, indwelling, equipping, filling, and sanctifying. So let's jump into some of those things. The first one is revealing. You see, the Holy Spirit, the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit reveals our sin, reveals our need for Jesus. And that's one thing that's very important for us to understand is that God initiates 
salvation through the Holy Spirit, revealing our need for Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the one who opens our eyes and patiently persuades our hearts to follow Jesus. And we only know Jesus because the Spirit showed us Jesus. In John 1, John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, only knew that Jesus was the Messiah because of the Holy Spirit's presence. And the same goes for us. And New Testament scholar Craig Kester, he says that no one, not even John the Baptist, has any inerrant way of knowing the one whom God sends to take away the world's sin. Apart from God's action, the identity of Jesus remains hidden. And that is so important to understand that God reveals our need for salvation in Christ through the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus, we can either accept Him or we can reject Him. So that is revealing. And the Holy Spirit, like I said a moment ago, also reveals our sin and the dark areas in our lives that we need to hand over to Jesus. But let's move on to indwelling. This word indwelling, because you'll see that throughout the New Testament, um, especially in the context where the Spirit is being discussed. Jesus says in John 14, 15 through 17, that text that we just read, Jesus says that the Spirit is within us. And Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit seals us. He seals us for the day of redemption. And what that means is that the Holy Spirit has taken up permanent residence in the life of the believer. And the image of the seal, this image throughout history, throughout literature, and especially in the Bible, the image of a seal represents the finality of an agreement. It represents the marking of something or someone as valid or present within a community. And it represents the authority of a king over the subject at hand. And in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus says that he will always be with us. He will always be with us. So how, do he do, how does he do that? Well, it's through the Holy Spirit's indwelling. You see, by the Holy Spirit... We are permanently sealed for the day of redemption. We are valid in the community of God. And the seal of the Holy Spirit represents the authority that Jesus has over our lives. And He is always with us. He is with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And in Romans 8-9, Paul says something very important. In Romans 8-9, Paul says that the Spirit of God dwells in the believer. And that if we don't have the Spirit, then we do not belong to God. And that word dwell, it literally means to remain or reside in. And this is, this is powerful because what this means is that God is deeply committed to His people. So committed that His Spirit dwells within us. And when we look at the world around us, it is clear that commitment is lacking yet is still deeply craved. All we have to do is look at the family unit, the social system, the political systems, there is a sense of a lack of commitment, promises broken, things just not the way they're supposed to be. And people are craving for a true faithful commitment. And in this culture that craves faithful commitment but is continually, continually let down, the commitment of God to His people through the Spirit is a powerful, powerful image and a breath of fresh air. So the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. Now let's move on to the next one, equipping. 
In Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, Paul discusses various gifts that the believers are given in order to build up the church and advance the kingdom. And what Paul teaches is that all believers possess gifts of the Holy Spirit, and not everyone has the same gift. We are all uniquely gifted to participate in God's renewing and redemptive work in the world. So we don't all share the same gifts. If we all had the same gifts, the gift would ultimately not be very beneficial if everyone possessed it. It would be as if everyone was trying to build a house, but everyone showed up with only a hammer. No nails, no saw, no wood. We would need, we would need a lot more materials and tools to get the job done. So in the same way, we are all uniquely gifted to show up and to build the church and to advance the kingdom And we are given these gifts by the Holy Spirit. And you can look at those gifts again in Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, just to get kind of a snapshot of what those are. And there is a lot of debate uh, in the church about the gifts of the Spirit. So I would encourage you to either ask your local church leader about your church's persuasions or convictions regarding the gifts of the Spirit, if you are unaware, or if you are not plugged into a local church community, or you just just curious, you can also feel free to shoot me an email and I'll send you my thoughts. But I first want to point you back to your local church if you're plugged into the church. So that's that's the equipping role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He equips us with gifts to build the church and advance the kingdom. So let's move on to the filling of the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 15 through 21, that believers are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is different than indwelling. You see, indwelling is a permanent residing in. Filling is something that happens over and over again, every single day. And what being filled with the Spirit means, it means that we are, we are surrendering our wills and our desires daily to the Holy Spirit, and we allow Him to have the influence in the way that we live day to day. It is becoming empty of ourselves to be filled with the Spirit. And this is a command by Paul, be filled and keep being filled by the Spirit. And the result, according to Ephesians 5, 15 through 21, of being filled is clarity, wisdom, and a lifestyle centered on Jesus and living self-sacrificially for the sake of others through love and service. I'm going to repeat that again. The result of being filled with the Spirit is clarity, wisdom, and a life centered on Jesus and living self-sacrificially for the sake of others through love and service. Now this last one, sanctifying. Through his teaching, leading, counseling, convicting, comforting, and all the other implications of his presence, and as we obey his leading, we have a responsibility to cooperate and obey the Holy Spirit. He sanctifies us. And this word sanctify. It may sound churchy and ancient, but it does need to be revived in the church because it's a powerful word. This word sanctify means to set apart and to make holy for a particular purpose, which are God's purposes. Simply, we are called to be different, to make a difference, and God does that through the Holy Spirit. People are to look at the life of the believer and see something unique. Simply put, sanctification is the lifelong process of becoming more like Jesus as we follow the Spirit's leading. He is constantly shaping us into the image of Christ as we surrender to His will and give up our own. 
So the culmination of all these things that we just talked about, the Spirit's presence and power and work in our lives, leads to the fruit of the Spirit, which is found in Galatians 5, 16-22. And we're going to discuss those in another conversation. But just know that fruit has to be intentionally cultivated. It takes time, grit, obedience, cooperation, and dependency on the Lord. But I would encourage you to go to Galatians 5 and look at those. So to close this conversation out, to prepare us for our series, More Like Jesus, it is important to know that it is only through the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives that we are able to live like Jesus because the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus and will lead us and direct us in our steps as we walk in the way of Jesus. So with that, I hope you tune in for the eight-week series entitled More Like Jesus. And if you have any questions or if there's anything that we can do to help you, please feel free to shoot us an email at info at shepherdsheartmen.org. That's info at shepherdsheartmin.org.